let's bring in Dan Deming, the managing director at KKM Financial. He's joining us this morning to help us break it down. Um, Dan, uh, we just had Michael Zaremski tell us that uh, the jobless claims would really be the major focal point here with it being uh, kind of, well, uh, that GDP being a little bit backward looking. Uh, I guess this was a pretty good number when it comes, uh, you know, when you put it into context in terms of what we have been seeing as jobless has been ever so slightly inching higher. This one, a downtick here, it looks like 243,000 from the revised 245, which was uh, revised better as well. So again, yeah. uh, looks like this number's pretty Pretty good for the most part. Yeah, pretty consistent, Ben. Yeah. And you know, good word we to are describe seeing... it. <laughs> they have been, haven't yeah. they, recently? Uh, but but again, it's stemming that trend that we had been realizing. You know, when it got ticked up to the 260 level, and now over the last several weeks, we're seeing it ticking back below 250,000. Plus, the revisions week over week mm -hmm. have been lower as well. Mm -hmm. So. You know, I think that, you know, that's uh, possibly, I'm, I'm not sure why we're seeing a little bit of selling pressure after the release of some of these data points here at 730. And I don't know if that has something to do with the fact that maybe as those numbers continue to remain consistent and trending back into a level that is, from a historical perspective, very strong, uh, that it makes uh, market participants feel that the Fed's going to continue to be more hawkish. I mean, I guess each one of these numbers that indicate that the jobless market is, uh, or the jobs market is still strong uh, leads to the idea, I think, or the belief that the Fed will may remain hawkish. You know, I, again, consistent, uh, I think, is a good way of putting it. And that's easing. And, well, as you mentioned here, the ES, well, 4162 right now, I think it was at 4165. So kind of a muted reaction, still positive across the board in all four majors. Yes, yeah. coming off just a little bit, it seems like a tenth or two tenths of a percent here. But uh, to your point, prior was 250,000. So this was another uh, revision in the direction you want to see it at 245,000. This week's a slight downtick to 243. So talk to us in terms of uh, GDP here, Dan, and what are you making as far as uh, the numbers? It looks like uh, also, this core PCE component closely watched here as well at 4.4%, yeah. but uh, GDP quarter over quarter, a negative at 0.6, but uh, better than expected. They were looking for down 0.8. It was, yeah. So, yeah, it's it's nice to see uh, the revision a little less negative, I guess, you know, from a, a growth standpoint. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, what, what what is something that was interesting, Ben, that I guess I had not realized, but I was telling Oliver yesterday that, uh, I did a study uh, on nominal GDP, and so that's basically GDP, you know, not without uh, accounting for inflation. And the nominal GDP is still very strong in Q1 and Q2 of this year. So basically, inflation is what really wiped out any of the economic activity over those two quarters. So you know that's something that doesn't probably get the uh, uh, the attention the attention that it needs to get. I think, and that's something that the Fed's looking at as well. And as long as nominal GDP continues to remain strong, which is the the 40-year uh, average, I believe, is 6.1 percent, and both quarters were above that. That, that tells the Fed that they can continue to, again, be aggressive as well, even though we're seeing negative numbers coming out of real GDP. If you dig, dig below those numbers, there's actually still some, uh, you know, indication of growth. Dan, what's at the root of that strength? You know, I, well, it's basically just the, the, the pricing structure uh, to some degree and, and the activity of the pricing structure. So sales, I mean, really, when you look at nominal GDP, it doesn't really account for the inputs into the final 
product it's just sales and uh so that tells i think that tells the fed that you know that the, the consumer is still, still fairly strong, strong yeah. that there's still some business there's still significant activity uh and uh you know and certainly i mean you can make the argument that there's fewer goods so that's why you know prices and sales are going up to some degree because people are chasing fewer goods because of supply chains i mean yeah there's a lot of back and forth on both sides of that argument but the fact of the matter is if you look at the raw numbers there's still some significant strength under in underlying uh, this uh, economy. So we've got the numbers out here. Obviously, the focus here may be even more so than today forward to Fed Chair Jerome Powell's comments tomorrow. I want to kind of talk a little bit about the U.S. versus Europe. And because, again, now that we're getting these numbers, which look pretty good for the most part, while we have seen some mixed data here in the U.S., for the most part, it seems like data out of Europe has been disappointing across the board. And, you know, sort of tying back to the Fed versus the ECB, you've got the Fed, which has been very hawkish, right, very consistent, to your point earlier, in terms of the jobless claims numbers, versus the ECB, which has kind of swayed a little bit back and forth, recently turning the corner, as Christine Lagarde put it, and they did make an initiative kind of a, a stance against uh, inflation. But I guess I'm wondering, as you look at the dollar versus the euro currency and you look at Europe in general in terms of where they are, does some of that come from just the Fed's sort of resolve to be consistent and stick with the, uh, you know, kind of uh, initiative and the, the, the path ultimately and not sway from it? And, you know, to that point, we were just hearing from, uh, I think it's uh, uh, Daly, uh, Mary Daly, uh, she's a San Francisco president, I think, yep. but she was saying basically, look, we're not data, we're not data point dependent, we're data dependent. And ultimately, so not just one specific point. This is she helped us put it all in the context, and again, that's what sort of I think helped rates inch their way back up to three percent. Is uh, yeah. sort of looking past some of those softer than expected inflation numbers and just kind of looking forward to the rate hikes that were still to come in September. But does the Fed's resolve sort of bolster confidence ultimately, and and ultimately the market and uh, uh, you know what we've seen basically off the June lows? I mean, investors don't want to see higher rates. They don't want to see the Fed inflation uh, combating inflation necessarily with higher rates, but but it beats the alternative, right, in terms of what the ECB, which is doing, which is just kind of, you know, treading water, basically. Yeah, it does, Ben. And I, I guess I think the major underlying theme between the two economies is the dependency on energy okay. that Europe okay. is continuing to realize. And that's something and that's going... Yeah, to some degree, maybe, you know, and that, that's going to be a challenge, particularly as we move into these winter months. And that's the concern, you know, yeah. how how is this going to fall out? How is this going to impact uh, you know, economic activity in the winter months if they're unable to fulfill the, the needs of the energy requirements of the the you know the. The eurozone and and that's still an unknown i mean they're looking for alternative sources certainly you know we're seeing uh natural gas prices here in the united states holding near multi-year highs because of the uh, expectation that a lot of it's going to be exported to europe because they're going to the demands there so that's something that still has to be worked out. But as you mentioned, I guess the one caveat here is um, that Germany overnight, they did have their GDP data, mm -hmm. and it was actually, uh, they were able to hold on to a, a, per, one, a tenth of a percent uptick. Uh, and, uh, you know, the other data that came out from Germany overnight was well, viewed as... it was a little disappointment, though. I mean, you had the uh, German business ex expectations, the current assessment. Those came in below expectations. Or, I'm sorry. They came in above expectations. Above but expectations, but flat. Right. Yes. Exactly. There was basically they were flat, but I guess they technically were above lowered expectations. Okay. So I think that's how the market possibly read it. 
but we'll see, you know, if it has uh, how much lasting influence that has uh, as we move through these next couple of days. But ultimately, Ben, as you pointed out, yeah, I mean, I think that the reason the dollar continues to remain strong, first of all, I think the selling pressure in the equity markets caused some uh, dollar buying whenever we see some weakness. Uh, you know, in other asset classes, particularly the equity markets, the, the dollar seems to be the safe haven, uh, more so than even the Japanese yen these days. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And second of all is the consistency of the Fed. And I think the message and the fact that the Fed has the ability to continue to remain aggressive and it has not really had that significant of impact on the overall economic activity at this point. And as well as, you know, certainly we've seen a resetting of expectations in some of the uh, different markets, but you know, not to the too too much to the detriment of some of the you know. But basically, as the Fed continued to raise here in the last couple of months, the market's been able to come back, and I think that the Fed has viewed that viewed that as a, as something that's positive. Now they're not necessarily watching the market, but we we know they are watching the market. Mm -hmm. I'd argue earnings has helped that quite a bit as well in yes, terms true. of uh, companies coming in a bit low bar set, but better than expected for the most part. And exactly. it seems like or sounds like they continue it's like to the German data. Yeah. yeah, they continue to lower the bar again. And I don't know if that's going to bring initiative buying, but it might bring in some short covering buying at the very least and uh, right. maybe shorter term kind of uh, buy the dip type scenario. Uh, looking for a quick bounce, but I don't know if it buys, brings in that longer-term buying. Let's talk lastly about uh, our metals giving us a lean one way or the other here, Dan, sticking with commodities. I mean, you've got gold comfortable around 1750, a pretty good reflection of what we've seen in the U.S. dollar, not really uh, providing you know directional conviction one way or the other there, but coming off a lower extreme, but still very much in range, uh, 2100 down to, we'll call it 1650, 1670. Right. You've got crude, which has been very much in range as well, not really providing a lean one way or the other, inching up. I mean, natural gas through the roof, you know, with, as you mentioned, some of the uh, constraints that Russ has put on the market there. But, but yeah. are we getting a lean one way or the other from some of these metals, industrial metals or gold? I don't, you know, they're stabilizing. So I guess you, you can look at it that way. And, you know, is that, it, 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 they're still seeing, they're still looking for signs of, I think, a significant increase in economic activity from a global perspective. Maybe to some degree, the stimulus in China that was announced overnight yeah. could give a boost yeah. to the metals as well. Uh, and uh, the commodities across the board. Now, what is interesting, Ben, is that there's two things there. Number one, gold, uh, 1774 right now. Now, you know, 1820 to me would be the significant significant point to the upside. Okay. You know, that if we were to able to take out uh, 1820, that would be a, you know the that would break out to the upside. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, so that's something I'm watching. As you mentioned, it's it's pretty much range bound here, but mm -hmm. uh, it is starting to find a little bit of a bid. Not so much in silver. Silver doesn't look technically nearly as good as gold. And second of all, when you look at WTI, the one thing I want to point out, though, at this 95 to 95 half level is the fact that it isn't potentially breaking this uh, trend over the last several months of lower highs and lower that. lows. Yeah. So that's something else to keep an eye on. So that's uh, those are two things I wanted to point out from a technical standpoint. Off the 123 level, you're talking down to 85. We're breaking that trend. Yes, correct. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right, Dan, lots to talk here. We're out of time. I appreciate you joining us here, though, and, Thanks, and a solid breakdown in terms of the numbers and uh, some of the focal points for investors and traders. Dan Demley, Managing Director of KKM Financial.